0: Well, folks, we've, uh, uh, we've started a little exercise. Uh, I realize you haven't had the chance to stand up and sit down much this morning. Uh, so, <laughs> but this is a special moment. Kind of transitions into the next part where we break open the Word of God. So why don't we take a moment, stand up, mill around, greet somebody this morning. Just greet somebody and, and make a point to introduce yourself to someone that you may not know or do not know. Okay, folks. This is the hard part. Gotta got, morning, Glenn. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah. We, uh, we kind of introduced this moment a while back. Uh, to, uh, we've done it at different times in different places, and, and it was met with so much uh, <coughs> uh, thankfulness, popularity, I'll say, that uh, I, I made a statement about uh, if we have enough time and stuff, and I was quickly corrected. We will always have enough time for what just happened here this morning, just for the family of God to to meet and greet one another, to see how we're all doing and and hopefully meet somebody new or uh, whatever the case may be. It's a lot of fun. Aren't those kids great? Oh, my goodness. They, They are just amazing and jumped right into it, jumped right into it. Everybody had a part. That, that's a teaching point right there for the body of Christ and how quickly that happened. Well, as we make that transition, a couple of things by way of prayer, uh, very important for us to be mindful. Uh, Always, please, please uh, be aware that uh, the bulletin that you receive on Sunday morning as you come through the doors uh, has a prayer list on it. And we, we try our very best, uh, Michelle and, and Crystal in the office, try our very best to, uh, to make sure that's updated, uh, has current information. Uh, if you see something that needs to be updated, please call the office, let us know so we can do that. But most importantly, those names are on that list because people are wanting, cherishing, expecting our prayers. Uh, so please be mindful of that. Uh, Current uh, needs, uh, Gary Silver was taken to the hospital last night. Uh, He is uh, doing well. I spoke with him this morning, and uh, he is doing well, Uh, but he was diagnosed with COVID, so there will be a little recovery there, but uh, like I say, he's doing very well. Uh, Helen also uh, going to sit tight at home for a little while now uh, and get Gary home, But uh, and Ken and Kim. uh, Kim is home and progressing well. So, boy, that just about takes care of the silver family, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, but uh, again, just be, uh, be continuing in prayer and uh, drop them a card, you know. Uh, shoot them an email or a text or a phone call. Uh, you remember cards, right? And, and something called a stamp. I don't know how effective it is, but they take it. You know, so, uh, but it's, I tell you what, folks, I got to be honest, I, I haven't run across anybody yet that uh, doesn't like still getting a card, and so just something to think about, something to think about. Uh, Joshua Project, make sure you get signed up for Joshua Project, that is going to be a great uh, time of learning, uh, biblical perspective of creation and, and uh, uh, everything that follows. And I get to go to town this afternoon and celebrate my great-granddaughter's sixth birthday. Now, I know you're saying he's not that old. I know. That was on everybody's mind, wasn't it? He just can't have a great-granddaughter that's six years old. Well, so does my wife. (laughs) Funny how that works, isn't it? Let's catch our breath. Gary Spillman. You gave me an awful hard time today. And because of that, I'm going to ask you to pray for me, even if you don't mean it. (laughs) Brother, would you pray for the message and the body of Christ here this morning? Amen. Amen. And by the way, in a couple of months... Connie and I will be celebrating 50 years. 50 years. Isn't that woman blessed? Why people should be afraid of the dark. We are in the I Am series. Those seven statements that Jesus himself makes in the gospel according to John, where he declares himself to be I am, the eternally existing God, but also specifics within that I am statement as to his character, his essence. The miracles that Jesus had performed and are recorded in John's gospel give us clear evidence of his power, his authority as the Son of God. The I am statements will take it just, if possible, I guess, just take it a little bit deeper because these statements Christ made about himself and they are clear evidence of his deity His relationship with the Father will be highlighted in this passage that we're going to read in a moment. The I Am declarations give us a deep, deep insight into the nature and the essence of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The exclusive nature of these claims, they are Christ and Christ alone. No one else can make these claims. There is no other bread that can give spiritual and eternal life. Jesus has that in himself. There is no other light that brings spiritual illumination. We'll soon find out there is no other gate. There is no other door. There is no other way to the Father. It's exclusively Jesus Christ. So with that as a backdrop, let's stand. And this time we will stand in honor of the word of God. If you are able, we understand there can be some physical limitations, so please understand we, we uh, are, are, are sympathetic to that. And, and uh, so if you are able, stand for the word of God, and we begin in John chapter 8, verse 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. See, there's another witness. See it? See how Jesus slid that right in there, right? In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Any questions, Pharisees? Wow. Wow. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Father, this is your word, your word given to us in truth, in power, without error. Just as you spoke it, it still speaks. So thank you, Father, for the word, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will bring these words to life in our hearts, that they may impact our lives, to conform us and shape us into your likeness. For it's in Jesus' name, for his honor and glory we pray, amen. Please be seated. The background of this text is amazing, and I would like to go through that by way of introduction because it will emphasize the importance and the power of this claim. It is the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel. The Sukkah, or tent, or shelter, was erected at the temple to celebrate the harvest and the Jewish exodus out of Egypt. The shelter, or tent, represented the temporary shelter during the 40 years of wandering. And I want to read this little article. Uh, I actually uh, pulled it from Jews for Jesus, and they use this in many of their their, uh, teaching ceremonies. So bear with me, or listen carefully, I should say. At the end of the first day of the feast, the temple was gloriously illuminated. According to the Mishnah, Part of the oral tradition of the rabbis, gigantic candelabras stood within the court of the women. Each of the four golden candelabras is said to have been 50 cubits high, 18 to 22 inches in a cubit, 75 feet Each candelabra had four branches, and at the top of each branch, there was a large bowl. Four young men bearing 10-gallon pitchers of oil would climb the ladders to fill the four golden bowls on the candelabra, and then the oil in those bowls was ignited. So picture 16 beautiful blazes leaping towards the sky from these golden lamps, and remember that the temple was on a hill above the rest of the city. So this glorious glow was the sight of the entire city to see. Levitical musicians played their harps, lyres, cymbals, and trumpets to make beautiful music to the Lord. What a celebration. The light was to remind the people of how God's Shekinah glory had once filled his temple. So I just want you to hold that mental picture for a minute. It's with that sitting with a light that is visible for miles, a light that would certainly have every eye of the city of Jerusalem focused on Temple Mount, it's that backdrop with these blazing candelabras that this one man stands up and says, I'm the light of the world. You see it? And as the light of the world, Jesus is literally saying, I am the Shekinah, I am the radiance of God's glory. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The song choices this morning were amazing. (laughs) They really were. How it all tied together. So Jesus was, is, and always will be the light of the world. He was the light before the sun and the moon and the stars existed. He was the pillar of fire that lit the way for the Hebrew nation in the wilderness. Psalm 119, 105, a very common verse says, "'Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.'" John 1 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in Revelation 21, he will be the eternal light. And I saw, the temple in, I saw no temple in the city, John writes in the apocalypse, for its temple is the Lord God, the mighty and the lamb, and the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Hallelujah. But to understand the brilliance of the light and the, and, and the majesty of his glory, let's first look at the effects of darkness. By way of introduction, darkness disorients us. It causes us to lose our sense of direction. And when we lose our sense of direction, we lose our sense of purpose. And when we lose our sense of purpose, we lose our desire to move forward. And when we lose our desire to move forward, we soon find ourselves discouraged and depressed, and we are gripped by fear and freeze. Darkness brings confusion. Secondly, darkness distorts the world around us. We lose perspective. I know that I've used similar illustrations before, but it seems appropriate. I, I do love to hunt. I like to hunt. I, I still enjoy a good deer hunt. And, and I know that anyone who has experienced uh, being in the woods at daylight or dusk, things move. Things appear out of nowhere. And what wasn't there before, as the sun sets and shadows shift, they suddenly come to life. And shadows become leaving uh, living creatures and monster books. And when the light comes up, you're staring at a stump. But the problem is when we become focused on the shadows, we probably are going to miss the real thing coming up behind us. When I was a child, I uh, slept in the center bedroom of the house, a very small room, and, of course, it was an old home. Electricity had been added to, and the old laughing plaster uh, and everything, in the walls and the ceilings. And so the only light in my bedroom was one of those hang down lights. It was on a, a cloth cord. I don't know what you call them. And just a cloth cord hung down in the middle of the room with the bulb screwed in the, in the socket. And there was a turn switch. So you had to grab the bulb to turn the switch, you know, get the light on. When I was a little kid, that thing was weird. I can still remember laying in bed watching that thing because I knew it was alive. I, I knew it was going to do something in the middle of the night, and, and and it would move. It would move, and then over in this corner of my bedroom was the access to the attic. Huh? There are things that live in your attics, folks, and don't you tell me any different. But I want to tell you an occasion personal stuff here one night we had a storm bad storm and there was very 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 high winds and so I was awake just a little kid I remember and when I woke up in the morning that board that covered the attic hole had been lifted out of place Yeah. I haven't slept in that room since. <laughs> no, true. The, the air had moved around in such a way that it had actually just sucked the, the, the board out of the, and it was laying up there, and the boogeyman was free. <laughs> we know it wasn't true. True. We know nothing about that was true. But in the mind of a little boy, I scared to death. But folks, don't relegate it just to the little boy or the little girl. Sometimes big folks are afraid of things too. And darkness has a way of multiplying those fears. Multiplying those fears. Darkness distorts our way of thinking and it will take us places we don't want to go. But remember, as the sun rises in the woods, so does the Son of God raise or rise in our hearts and brings to light and dispels those shadows So finally, darkness, the effects of darkness, and not only uh, disorients us and distorts the world around us, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. We cannot see the trip hazards. We cannot see the pitfalls. Listen, we forget how close we are to the leg of the bed frame until our little toe hits it. We forget that I closed the bathroom door when I went to bed, but remembered it at midnight when I smacked into it. But darkness is far more dangerous than a stubbed toe. It is spiritual death. It's spiritual death. Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul gives us these words, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in the understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've been darkened. Darkness has overwhelmed their way of thinking. So, darkness disorients, darkness distorts, darkness is dangerous. What effect does light have on darkness? Point number four the light of Christ dispels the darkness, it dispels the darkness. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, physical darkness is in and of itself really nothing. It's the absence of light. You cannot trace darkness necessarily to a source, but even a physically blind person can tell you where the sun is because they can feel its warmth and its radiance. Light penetrates the darkness. One author puts it this way, "...nothing will be the same again when you have him as your light." Everything looks different in the light of Christ. Yes, even earthquakes and tsunamis and suffering and death. Until His light fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. Until it banishes sin and sickness and pain and earthquakes to the outer darkness. Until then, even now, His light will help you bear the sorrows of darkness. It will be a soft glow to comfort you in your lonely room. After the devastating loss, it will be a lamp on your troubled path. It will reveal the wise and the loving face of God behind every frowning providence. Point is, when Christ came forth and set foot on this earth, he invaded the darkness. He stepped right into the muck and mire of this dark world, and he declared himself to be the eternal light of glory. And First John, the first epistle This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all our sins. Even the prophet Isaiah, when he prophesied the coming of the Messiah, He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government of a, will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's the light. Fifthly, not only does a light dispel the darkness, it disperses the truth. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. Jesus had no identity problem. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly where he came from. He knew exactly what he was sent to do. And he did it all according to the word of truth. Christ is a spoken word. He speaks the word. He is the word. John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, Satan is the ruler of darkness, and he's also the father of lies. So put the two together, and what do you have? Disorientation, distortion, danger. He disorients us, he distorts our vision, and wherever he is, there's danger. He's a liar, there's no truth in him, and his deception is in his disguise. And no wonder, Paul writes, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is the deceiver. There's an old show it was on years ago, and at the end of that show, like whatever else happened during the show, I don't know, but the person in whom was uh, struggling with their eternal destiny was told to walk toward the light. Brothers and sisters, I want to warn you, there's a lot of people out there walking towards the wrong light because they're deceived. They're deceived. It's not the true light. It's a false light. It's a lie. But everything Jesus has done, Satan tries to mimic. He tries to to imitate. And he does a really good job at it. If that's fair to say about the author of evil. Be careful what light you're following. Make sure it's the light of life. And there's only one place you're going to find the correct description of the light of of life and it's right here it's right here there will be lots out there many people claiming to be the light many men will claim that for themselves that is heresy and blasphemy john the baptist came to do what to point people toward the light that's my responsibility as a pastor and a minister of the gospel of jesus christ In this glorious way, Jesus is the light of the world. Listen, if you follow him, you will have him as your light. This is important that we understand this. True, he will reveal our sins at the same time. That's what light does, right? It reveals things. But really, if you think about it, put it in perspective. Having the light of life, the light of the world reveal our sins is like getting an accurate early cancer diagnosis that's treatable and curable. You see? But if we don't get that early diagnosis, if Christ doesn't reveal our sins, then we will probably, most certainly, die in those sins. It's the beauty of the revelation of Christ. And I got to say, if you're here today and, and you just don't think you really have any sins, you're walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness. So take that early diagnosis and let the light of life reveal those sins. Why does he do that? Because he has an answer for it. He has an immediate answer. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy in abundance. And if we confess our sins, he's righteous and just. And he will forgive us our sins according to John and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Glory to God. The light of Christ destroys the powers of darkness. He will be the light in which you see God. The light in which you see the history of redemption and the work of salvation. But John goes on to tell us that Jesus had these words. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one, yet even I judge. If I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Listen, Christ destroyed the powers of darkness and the devil couldn't even win at this period in the life of Christ. Nobody was going to change his course. Nobody was going to alter his destiny. He was going to fulfill the will of God in the appointed hour. And he would judge according to all that is true. Whoever makes practicing a sin, and John's first epistle is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Praise the Lord. So if you're here today and you also remember a very uh, flaky comedian who said the devil made me do it, that cannot be true of a Christian. In the Christian life, the devil gives us an opportunity to do it. He can't make a Christian do anything. So don't pass the buck. Don't pass the buck. It's our choice. It's our choice. Even in our text, the Pharisees were on darkness time. They were on darkness time. And Jesus is always right on time. So not only does the the light destroy the powers of darkness, the light delivers us from the power and penalty of sin. That's not in your outline. It's just another D that I threw out there. So let me close with these thoughts. Therefore, from Colossians 2, as you receive Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Remember earlier, we cannot have the light of life if we don't have the light of the world in our lives. We don't just receive his light, we receive him. Him. Rooted and built up in him. Colossians 2 says, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority, in Jesus won at every level, at every point. Jesus is the victor. And if you are in him and he in you, you share in that victory. So let's close with this claim in verse 12 and just a brief set of comments. Remember the temple area, as brilliant as you could get it, in a time before LEDs, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So folks, you know, I get, I, I get one more thing out of that. You'll know where you're going. There's an assurance in that passage. A secured promise that if you follow Jesus, you will walk in the light. And he will take care of that right on into eternity. You cannot have the light of life without having Jesus himself again. This is a life-changing verse if you see it for what it is and if you see him for who he is. It says that following Jesus is more than tagging along behind him. It means following him for who he is, being so taken with him that you join yourself to him. And notice that when you follow him, you have him. You have him as the light of life. If you follow me, he said, I am yours and you are mine. I am your shepherd and your sacrifice. I am your living water. I am your bread of life. I am your God. I am your light. We are dead and blind to the light until the life of Jesus is imparted by the grace of God. The eyes of our hearts will then be opened. Open the eyes of our hearts. Didn't we sing that this morning? And the divine light screams into our souls and gives us life. And thus we have the light of life, the light that comes from new spiritual eye-opening life, the life that gives sight to the blind soul. Eternal life, giving eternal sight. So, how will you choose to live this morning? Remember, darkness is a great deceiver, it's a great deceiver. But it's full of fumbling and stumbling. Making our own way. Or we can walk in the light of a new life in Christ with the brightest of all futures. One last simple closing illustration. Again, from hunting just happens to be one of my passions. But I used to think I could defeat the darkness by memorizing the route through the woods. And you know what? You could miss it by a quarter mile (laughs) just with a little jog around this tree or a little jog around that tree if there's no moon, dark night. You ever been there? Perry so you buy these little reflective pins and you stick them in trees and when you hit them with a flashlight they glow in the dark the tape but the point is this you still got to have a route marked you got to have a route marked and you may never hunt a deer You may never get lost in the woods. (laughs) But do you know where you're at this morning? Do you know where you're at this morning? Are you on track? Are you in route? Can you see your way? Has the path been illuminated before you? Has your heart been changed by the light of life? Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. So come to him today. And I'll put a whole new meaning to that song, You Light Up My Life. Whole new meaning. Father, thank you for the time that we've had this morning. Thank you for the time of worship, the time of fellowship, the time of growing together in the grace and knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, challenging each other, Father, challenging each other to know him better, to know him deeper, to know him more. To know Jesus more today than we did yesterday and tomorrow more than today. Becoming more like him in the way we think, in the way we talk, in the way we act. Father, may we always rest and with full conviction understand that it's only by grace we can be saved. And it's by His grace we'll be kept until that great day when we see the light of life in the fullness of His glory. In Jesus' precious mighty name, amen and amen. Please stand as we have our invitation song. The first and foremost on the list of invitations, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today, allow one of us to take you to that point of understanding, to explain what it means to be saved and how one can be saved by the blood of Christ and Christ alone. But there may be other needs that you have here today. Uh, maybe, Maybe your wall has been recently destroyed and you need some help in the rebuilding process. There may be things going on that folks we live in, we live in a chaotic, confusing, I don't even know how to describe the world we live in, and it's getting worse. But I can tell you, Jesus is the answer. Because that's all darkness. All that stuff, that's that's associated with the darkness. Jesus stepped in the middle of that, and I guarantee you, spiritual sight. 2020 vision. 2020 vision. Let's sing this last song, please.